I want to start today with this question. What does it mean to be a Christian? Now, you think about that for a second and, 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 and come up with your, with your answer. Matter of fact, let, let, let's, let's, let's do this exercise. Who wants, shout out something. What does it mean to be a Christian? Anybody? Go ahead. Follower of Christ. All right. Anything else? Love your neighbor, all right? I heard somebody else, somebody something. Come on, don't, don't be shy. People being shy. Being faithful, spread the gospel, all right? Righteous, okay. When I hear the word righteous, sometimes I get a visual picture of a crush from Finding Nemo. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Have you seen Finding Nemo? When he's in there, righteous, righteous, righteous. Yeah, anyways. I don't know why. I get a visual picture of Finding Nemo. What does it mean to be a Christian? See, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians. But that's all it is. They call themselves Christians. To be a Christian is really to be like Christ. To emulate him. To be his follower through the good, through the bad, through the problem. I'm not talking about being a follower of Christ when everything is only good. How many of you know somebody who are a fan of a certain team when the team is doing well? And whenever the team is not doing well, they don't wear the fan gear. They don't talk about it. If they had the license plate on the car, they change it. I mean, they forget. They disassociate themselves completely. The Cleveland Browns were notorious for this. I mean, they're supposed to be good this year. But when the Cleveland Browns were really bad, it was really funny because there was a thing about the dog pound, which is what they call the Cleveland Browns, where people would go to the games in uh, brown garbage bags, like the, the, the Publix bags, you know what I'm talking about? They would cut eyes in them, and they would wear it. And it was kind of a signal of, I'm here, but I don't want anybody to know I'm here. <laughs> I don't want anybody to know I follow these guys who just are no good right now. And that's not what it means to be a Christian. The reality is that if you say you're a Christian, the measurement is on your actions and the way you lead your life. Jesus did talk about the fact that we will be known by our fruit. We'll be known by our fruit. And so... I want to kind of unpack that and talk a little bit today about what are one of the main attributes, and I'm going to focus on one main attribute of what it is to truly be a follower of Christ. And it's this, serving. A follower of Christ is truly known by whether or not they serve. I'm going to prove it to you. I want you to go with me. We're going to start today in the book of Matthew, chapter 20. The book of Matthew, chapter 20. Now, I got a really interesting prayer request this week that was left on my desk. You know, on the back of the envelopes, there's prayer requests. I got a prayer request this week on my desk after they did the offering and cut out the prayer request or whatnot. And it said, please tell pastor to give us more time to find the scripture references when he's preaching. So I'm going to allow God to answer that prayer request. Look up Matthew 20. Let me know when you're there. 
Are we good? Anybody still looking? All right. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 20, starts like this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on the other on the le- and the other on the left in your kingdom. Now, I actually want to pause here for a second because I want to talk about a little thing that's not part of this service or preaching, but I can't overlook it. It's a parenting thing. Do you notice how these two young men are men? Their moms, the one that went to Jesus, asking Jesus to exalt them. I think there's a biblical lesson here in parenting. And it's not for you to go and open the doors for your children. It's actually the opposite. Parenting is about teaching your children to face circumstance and stand on their own. You see it through other passages of scriptures. But to be a good parent, you don't just fix everything for your children. You train them to stand. And you start that even from an early age with simple things like at a restaurant, asking them to ask the waiter or waitress for something that they wanted. They wanted more crayons? Okay, ask the young lady or ask the gentleman. They want more water? Okay, go to that person. You train them to stand. Okay? So I, I, I had to go that because as I read this and prepared this, it just hit me and, and I had to make sure I mentioned it. But that's not what we're talking about, so let's get back to it. So Jesus asked her, what do you wish? She says, make my children be the ones on your right and left. Jesus answers her, verse 22. You don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized. But to sit on my right hand and sit on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lowered it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be the first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus looked at them and said, I didn't come for you guys to exalt me. I came to serve you. If you ask me, what is the essence at the core of a Christian? It is service. It is serving people. Because that's how they will see our likeness to the master. And Jesus didn't only talk about it here. I want you to write down this reference. We're not going to read it. I want you to read it later when you get home. But John chapter 13, write it down. John chapter 13. 
In John chapter 13 is right before the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples. And at one point of the time, he gets up, he gets a towel and ties it around his waist, fills a bowl with water, and kneels down and begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, I don't believe that Jesus instituted that so that we would have foot washing ceremonies throughout the rest of mankind. Some people do, and they have it as part of their, their, their church routine where there's foot washing ceremonies. And, and, and if God puts it in your heart to do it, that's fine. But I don't believe Jesus instituted that foot washing with his disciples as a thing to say, this is what I want you all to do. Go wash people's feet, literally. Jesus, in that moment, took the role of what belonged to a servant of the house which was to wash people's feet. Now, I want you to think about uh, a second about that time period and where we were, okay? In that time period, they didn't have all closed-toed shoes. They, 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 they didn't have boots and Nikes and all these different things. People wore sandals, and they lived in Jerusalem, which is a very arid, desert-type place. Lots of sand everywhere. I mean, we live in Miami. There's lots of sand and dirt here because of the beach or whatnot. If you ever go to the beach, you get sand all over your feet. And what happens when you get in the car? You get sand in the car. Even when you get home, sometimes you still got sand on you that you deposit. So it was a custom that when someone walked into your house because you were going to be in that house and you wanted to maintain cleanliness, they would wash the foot of the person coming in so to wash off the dust, the dirt, the grime. So it was the job, the responsibility of a servant of that house. But Jesus took it upon himself to begin to wash their feet. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. No, 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 no. No, I can't let you wash my feet. And Jesus says, Peter, let me let you know that if you don't let me wash your feet, then you're really not of me. Because those that let me wash their feet, those are the ones that they're really mine. And, and then Peter, because Peter was like, right? Like he, he exaggerated. He went from one extreme to the other. He looked and said, well, don't just wash my feet. Wash my head. Wash my hands. I mean, give me a shower. And Jesus said, no pa tanto. Like, yeah, relax, you know, chill. It's not, 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 we're not going that far. Okay. I'm sorry. Spanish is very rich. And sometimes it is, the sayings just come out. Okay. Jesus was like, hey, don't go that far. You've been with me, and if you are already bathed, you only need to wash what got dirty, which was the feet. Right? They had just come to celebrate Passover. They didn't just show up there in, in willy-nilly. They had prepared. They had all gotten ready. So Jesus said, when you're coming in, you're already clean. I just got to clean your feet. And then he ends it by saying, now you guys need to go out and wash each other, take care of each other, help be with each other, serve each other. Jesus didn't just say it. He demonstrated the fact that we are called to serve. We're called to help. 
I've heard so many people tell me things like this in my walk as a Christian, and I've been a believer for longer than I haven't been a believer. I came to Christ when I was 80, I'm 88, and I just turned 40. I look good for 80, don't I? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I came to Christ when I was 8, and I just turned 40. So I've been a believer for 32 years. I started teaching Sunday school when I was about 13 years old. And I've been an ordained minister since I was in my mid-20s. I've been in ministry a long time, even though I'm still young. And I've heard people tell me countless times, I want to be used by God, but I never have an opportunity. And let me tell you what the problem is. They're putting a condition on what it means to be used by God. They think that being used by God means platform or preaching or teaching or pulpit. And that's not what it means to be used by God. Every single one of us, every single day, have opportunities to be used by God that we ignore and we pass on by. You know, getting ready for the hurricane can be challenging. I almost saw a fight break out at the gas station down the street here in the crossings on Friday night because there was a line and people are respecting the line, right? And this one guy came around and just took a spot. So then another lady came behind him and got out of her car and was like, you're blah, 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 and telling him all this stuff because he cut off the line. Then another guy comes and is like, you, you cut her off because she's a woman. If you had cut me off, you'd know what you did. And they're going at it and I'm putting gas and I'm like, all right. I mean, it's happening, right? Like, they, they are going at it. And even in the midst of this hurricane prep, I guarantee you there's many of us who ignored an opportunity to be used by God. Now, I'm going to give you an example of something that I did on Friday. I'm not, I'm not trying to put myself high. I just want to give you an example, okay? So I went to Costco on Friday morning to get some things that we needed for the house. Like, for example, we were low on toilet paper. I wasn't a hurricane item. I just needed toilet paper, right? So we went to Costco, get toilet paper, and just different items because I already had my water. We had our supplies. Make the line again into Costco. Go around. Make the line to pay at Costco. I had parked behind TJ Maxx, literally, right? It was parked all the way on the other side. So I'm pushing my shopping cart. I'm already sweating, pushing my shopping cart. And as I'm pushing my shopping cart, I see an elderly lady, not an old lady, but just somebody, you know, older than, much older than me, you know, and, and, and she's, she's pushing one of the big carts, the flatbed carts, full of stuff, right? And I see her pushing it, and I, and, and I just felt, I was like, man, you need to offer to help her. So I'm thinking, man, I got, I'm busy. I got to go back to church and film the thing, saying, telling people know what's going on with the church. God, you understand, right? Like, you know, I'm busy right now. But I just felt the inkling. So I didn't want to freak her out. So from a distance, right, you know, like, ma'am, excuse me, senora, ma'am, do you need some help? And she looked at me and she said, not really, but I would greatly appreciate it. Perfect. So I walk with my buggy, you know, my cart. All the way to where she is, she gets to her cart, deviated out of my way, going to TJ Maxx, right, parking outside. And I get there, and this lady wasn't buying for the hurricane. She was buying for her business. She had, she had like, literally, she had about six boxes of Tide and, and like 50 bottles of Niagara, the stuff you use for like ironing things. I mean, and she's like, I got to do this all the time because I own a dry cleaner. And I was like, it makes sense. 
Because I'm there and I'm, I'm helping her put her stuff in her car and doing the things. And we're just talking for a few minutes or whatever. And I'm like, hey, you know, God bless you. And I go to turn around and I, I, a lot, most of the times I'm wearing a 3W shirt. And, and she looked at me and she said, 3W, that's a church, isn't it? I said, yes, it is. As a matter of fact, it's right down the street. We're three blocks from here. Just God bless you, you know? But I don't think she recognized 3W just because she recognized 3W. I think that in her mind, she was going through the process. There's something different about in the middle of a hurricane prep, somebody went out of their way to offer me assistance. She recognized the logo, fine, but I'm talking about the mindset. It was what is different? Because that's what happens when we go out of our way to serve someone. They will look at it and say, what's different about this guy? What's different about this lady? There is something different. It doesn't make sense that as they're getting ready for a hurricane and there's a thousand people in line at Costco, they would go out of the way to help me. And let me tell you something. The inkling to bless somebody never comes from Satan. See, because people might reject you offering assistance. You might ask somebody, hey, you want some help? And they'll be like, no, 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 I don't need it. And then what does we say? Man, the devil wanted me to ask that person so that I would feel rejection. First of all, the devil cannot tell the future. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. Satan is not. The inkling to offer to bless somebody never comes from Satan. It always comes from God. But many times as believers, we ignore the still small voice that is telling you, help that person. Offer to assist. Hold the door open. But we rationalize. We've got too much going on. I don't have time. And then you come and say, pastor, but I want to be used by God. No, you don't. You want to be looked upon as you're used by God. Let me give you a case in point. When I was a youth pastor, I had somebody come to me tell me, Pastor, I, I want to help. I want to assist. I want to serve under you in your ministry. I said, great. Here's the application. Here's all different stuff. And then I called the person. I said, you know, we got to get ready for this thing. I need some help. Can you come? I need to move these chairs. And the guy said, oh, I don't move chairs. I'm called to be a pastor. I said, thank you. I don't need your service in my ministry. Goodbye. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And you're telling me you're not good enough to move chairs? No, you want to be seen. You want the you to stand up, to stand out. That's not what Jesus did. Pastor, you're being a little harsh. I don't think I'm being harsh. I think I'm being scriptural. And I think Jesus was, if we looked at it in today's society, <laughs> harsh, right? We look at it and we say, God, I want to be used. I want to be used. I want to be used. But only in X, Y, or Z. It doesn't work that way. To be a Christian is to be someone who is willing to serve people even if there's no glory behind it, even if there's no recognition, even if you get rejected. You know what happens? 
I'm going to tell you a little something about me. Okay, you ready? You want to know a little bit something about David? David's selfish. You know how I know that? Because I'm human. And in, ingrained in humanity is selfishness. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> if you have two-year-old at home, meal. Meal, right? And then it's mine, and I'm playing with it. AJ, go grab that one. Go grab that one. No, no, meal, meal. Mine. I was playing with that. No, you weren't. Am, am I teaching you something you haven't seen at home with kids? No. We are selfish by nature. Thank you, AJ. We're selfish by nature. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. Watch this. Rejection is because we're focused on the me. I asked them if I want, they wanted help, and they said no. They rejected me. No, they didn't. They rejected God. Get over yourself. Dealing with this whole thing of everything is about, it, it's personal. Guys, rejection is tied to selfishness. And because of that, it limits us serving others and thinking about others first. And we are wired by nature at birth, me. But we are born again when we come to Christ and there's a new wiring in us, others. And then me. Others. Now, I want to pause here for a second. It doesn't mean you forget you. Oh, Pastor, what are you talking about that? We went out yesterday and we were able to go bless people's homes. Or bless people by preparing their homes. My house was already ready. Which is why I went to help other people. Because my first responsibility is Patricia, Abigail, Alexandra, and Samantha. That's my first responsibility. You can ask Pastor Zach. He called me yesterday morning. Where are we meeting up? What house are we going to first? And then I got, so what time are we going to be there? Because I got to help my dad. My answer was, help your dad first. When you're done at home, meet us at the next house. True or not? Why? You need to take care of your house. I went to Costco on Tuesday to buy all my water. I prepped my house on Thursday morning. I asked Pastor Fernie Thursday afternoon, what's your plan? Well, after we help people on Saturday, I'm going to put up my shutters. I said, no, you're not. I'm on my way to your house. Let's tackle your house so that on Saturday, you don't have to worry about you. Wisdom. We've got to have a balanced life. You think about others, which means in wisdom, you prepare for yourself ahead of time. So that then you can be used by God. Because what is, God, I want to be used by you. I got want to be used by you. Okay, let me go help this person. Let me help this person. Then the hurricane does come, knocks down my house, and it's like, God, why didn't you spare me? It's like, doofus, why didn't you prep your house first? I feel God would talk to me like that. You know. 
God and me, we, 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 we had an understanding. God, you call me whatever you want to call me. It's wisdom. And in order to be able to walk in service unto others, you've got to be with the right disposition of your heart and ready to be able to bless others. And many times we miss the opportunity to bless people because we're only focused on the me. And there needs to be a balance. Now look what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2. I'll practice wait time, get there. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to get there slowly. Philippians chapter 2. By the way, I'm not sure who wrote that, and I'm not making fun. Please, if I, I don't be offended. I just found it hilarious, and thank you for writing it. Because Patty tells me that all the time, too. So I, I don't want you to think I'm making fun of somebody, because I'm not even sure who wrote it down. By the way, no, I don't, I don't get the front of the envelopes tied to, preach, to prayer requests. I get the prayer requests. So I don't know who I'm praying for, which I like that, to not know who I'm praying for. Okay? All right. Philippians chapter 2, are we there? Okay. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. In other words, don't think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Okay? Verse number four. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests but also for the interests of others. So I want you to, let's break that down. Let each of you look out, not only for his own. So is it wrong to think of my house? No, but I can't only think about my house. That's what it says, right? It's not just you. Also look for the other. Verse number five, let this mind be in you, this mindset, which was also in Christ Jesus. What's the mindset? Watch verses six and seven. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now, let's break down the previous verse. Go to verse number six a second, guys. He did not consider it robbery. Now, when you hear the word robbery, you think of what? Theft. Well, in the original language, in the way that the Bible was, was written, this word doesn't just mean theft. It also means what you tie yourself to. So what this is saying is, who being in the form of God, he did not tie himself to the fact that he was equal with God. He didn't attach himself to the fact that he was equal with God. It's what that means, that word robbery. But what did he do? He disposed of himself. He let it down. He put down the God part to put himself in the form of a servant 
to be able to pay the price for us. Then it says in verse number eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. He was obedient even to the point of death. Do you remember the scripture where Jesus is on the cross and people are mocking him and they're saying things like, yo, why don't you get down? You healed the blind people, you healed the lame, but you can't take yourself off a cross. And Jesus said, I could call a legion of angels right now and they'll come from heaven and take you all out. But I came to serve, not to be served. I came to give my life as a ransom. He was obedient to be like Christ, to have, what did it say there? The same mind that Christ had is to serve. And what does that mean? You humble yourself. I'm not saying you are being humbled. I'm saying you humble yourself. You put yourself lower in order to serve others. I always tell people in leadership all the time, and you can ask any of the leaders within our church, you can ask, I say this to pastors I meet with, you can never ask someone that is beneath you in, 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 in an organizational chart, not beneath you as a person, you know what I'm trying to say, to do something you're not willing to do. You're not. Good leadership doesn't ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do. I remember when we first launched the church. I, I, I would get to church. I'd throw the barricade signs in the back of my car. I'd go start putting up. And I was like, pastor, pastor, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. You need to be in your office. And the thing, I was like, when I got to church, I was already ready to preach. I don't need to go prep now. I can't ask you to do something. And we're grown to the point. Thank God I've been able to pass off and delegate lots of things. People come ask me, I don't know, ask so-and-so. I don't know, ask so-and-so. And as we continue to grow, I thank God that I will, we will be able to hire staff that we even delegate more things so that I can devote myself to more of studying in order to be able to feed you good meals. Right? That's not, a, that's not wrong. But I have to be willing to do whatever it is that we go to do. That's good leadership. So Jesus, he didn't just come down from heaven. He showed the disciples. He tied the towel around his waist and began washing stinky feet. And said, I got to do it. And then he said this, John 13, I told you, go read it later. This is how he ends that section of John 13. The teacher is never greater than the student. The master isn't supposed to be greater. We're all called to serve. And when you humble yourself, you know what you open the door to? To God exalting you. Verse number nine. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him 
highly exalted him, lifted him up, and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But you know what happens? There's too many people who call themselves Christians, but they don't walk it. They don't show it. And then the world wants nothing to do with Jesus. But if they see, if they see us walking like Christ, having the same mind, thought process of Christ, blessing comes. See, I, I don't know how many of you know our church vision. I'm going to say what it is. Our church vision is this. To equip the body of Christ to live a lifestyle of worship that will cause change. I'm going to read it one, say it one more time. Not read it because I'm saying. To equip the body of Christ to live a lifestyle of worship that will cause change. So let's break down those three phrases there. To equip the body of Christ. Our responsibility our, as a church, our goal is to equip, to train, to prepare, and give you opportunity... Which is why when we prepare homeless care packages, we don't go give them out. Who gives them out? You do. Which is when we go to do a service project, we don't just hire, you don't know who goes out to do it? You do. We are equipping you, training you, giving you the tools and opportunity to live a lifestyle of worship. What does a lifestyle of worship mean? Does that mean that you're walking down the street always singing songs? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just always singing? No, 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 no. The Bible says that everything you do, you're supposed to do it unto God, which means you don't work for your boss. You do your work as unto God. And God's just using that company to pay you. When you shift your mindset to say, I'm not doing this for X, Y, or Z company. I'm doing this for God. You're honoring him. You're worshiping God with your actions, with what you do. And what is the next part that will cause change? What happens when someone sees you think of others first? What's different about you? This isn't normal. Hey, hey, hey what, what is it? Oh, it, it's, it's Christ. So what happens? People will want to change. I mean, how many of you have experienced somebody who perhaps has a long face and because you smile or say good morning or open a door for them, it changes their face. Has anybody experienced that before? You doing something as simple as opening a door caused a change where that person can be like, wait, that doesn't happen anymore. You don't see this taking place. What's the deal with you? It's Jesus. And that's our vision. That's why we have service projects throughout the entire year. Throughout the whole year, we do stuff for the community. Why? Because it's our calling to serve. And then what's our mission statement as a church? Taking it outside the walls. What does that mean? We don't just serve in the church. We serve outside the walls of the church. Last week, we talked about timing is the time to rebuild the walls 
of the church, the body of Christ. How do we do that? By lighting the light and not putting it under a bed, but out for all to see. That's in the book of Matthew. You don't light a light and hide it. Right? If a hurricane had come and we lost electricity, you don't get a flashlight, turn it on and hide it under the pillow. You put it up so that we can now see. So what happens? Too many times, Christians, it, not at this church, I'm just saying, I'm talking about the body of Christ. You understand me now, right? Too many times, we only focus on the people inside these four walls. And then what do unbelievers who are angry at God say? I don't want anything to do with that. They're selfish. They don't love people. They're judgmental. They're full of hate. They're full of X, Y, Z. And you can write the laundry list. Why? Because the Christians that they encountered, that's what they saw. It's time for us to start changing that. Oh, pastor, what are we going to do? We're, we're, we're only... Whatever, the same number. We're only 100 people. What are we going to do? I know I've said this story, but I'm going to say it again. This is this little boy that was walking along the seashore. And he finds a starfish. And he gets it and he throws it back in the water. And this older gentleman comes and says, what are you doing? He's like, it was out of the water. I'm putting it back. I'm saving it. He's like, but look at this beach. Look how long it is. Look how many starfish are out of the water. You're not making a difference. And the little boy said to that one starfish, I made a difference. So when we shift our mindset and stop selfishly looking at what other people do to compare it to us, when we focus that we need to deal with the one starfish that got put in front of us, if we all hit our one starfish, that 100 becomes 200. And then those 200 hit their one starfish, that 200 becomes 400, and 4 becomes 8, and 800 becomes 1600, and 1600 becomes 3200, and 3200 becomes 6400, and before you know it, we reach Miami. With every single person as a Christian truly serving others, loving others, blessing others, and using every opportunity and every inkling from God to bless people. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian. Others. The Air Force pararescue team has a model, which is that others may live. The Air Force pararescue team is one of the special forces of our military that are thrown in some of the most difficult, dangerous situations to save people's lives that others might live. Church, I'm not satisfied with just me, my wife, and my kids going to heaven. I want every person that I encounter to taste Jesus and want Jesus. Every single person. The waiter at a restaurant. The young man at Publix that is taking your cart to the car, the lady at the grocery line, every person that I encounter, I want them to taste Jesus. You know, I, I apologize to people a lot. What do you mean by that, Pastor? 
in my position as a pastor and getting to talk to different people, I get to deal with a lot of people who have been hurt by other pastors or other Christians. And the first thing I do when I hear of that story is apologize on behalf of the body of Christ for that hurt that another pastor or another Christian caused. Oh, but you didn't do it. No, I didn't, but we're one. So guess what? If this guy hurts you, it's my responsibility to try to heal you. Not me heal you, is in that instance me be used by God. And I want you to understand something. Being used by God is not only apostles, pastors, teachers, prophets, and evangelists. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, please. Please. But man, there's people sitting within this church right now that they're not here because somebody invited them to church. They're actually here because one of you or myself encountered them in a parking lot or in somewhere else and just showed them love and said, hey, you know what? That's weird. I want some of that. Let me go check it out. And that's what we're called to do. Be the church. Not just go to church. No, no, no. We're called to be, 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 be the church. Not just go to church. And what does it mean to be a Christian? Others, 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 others. With the wisdom that you took care of your house. Philippians 2 said it. It's okay to think of yourself. But you can't just think of you. You have to think of others to reach them to get them so that they may know that Jesus is alive and well man you don't know what that hello or that let me help you with that can impact a person with you don't know Perhaps that person was at the deepest, darkest point of their life where their only thing, they didn't pray. They just said, if you're real, God, let me know. And you got the inkling. Hey, offer to help them with that. And then you listened and you went. And then one day you get to heaven and you're giving your crown of glory. And it's like, man, this thing has so many treasures on it. What did I ever do? And God's like, yeah, you remember that day at Publix where you were busy and you had too much to do because there was a hurricane coming? But, but I just hinted at you that that person over there needed some help and you actually obeyed me. Jesus obeyed God to the point of death, right? And obeyed God. He did the mindset shift and then obedience. That person that you simply said, can I help you? And actually, they told you no. Remember that day, specific day? They actually told you no. But that little act put a seed that then another Christian came by and watered, and then another one came by and watered, and here's your reward for having obeyed and been like Christ and served others. So I challenge you. Every day when you leave your house, ask God, 
put somebody in front of me, in front of me that I can bless. See, we've got this twist, and man, I'm going to hit this in the next few weeks in the blessed life. Sometimes we think that blessing people is just giving money or giving gifts or giving things. No, no, no. You can be a blessing by, to someone by praying for them, by shaking their hand, by looking at them in the eyes, by acknowledging their existence, by helping them pick up a box that they can't lift. You can serve people and bless people, but you've got to have your heart and mind in tune to God's understanding that it's so that others may also go to heaven. Church, being like Christ is to serve like Christ. To serve like Christ.